0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Mentor Podcast. My name is John Roy, and I am one of your hosts. I am a firefighter and a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. This show is also hosted by my co-host, John Herrera. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and a firefighter as well. And before we get started with this first episode, I just wanted to give you a brief introduction about what this podcast is all about. You'll hear a little bit more about this conversation that John and I have had about what this podcast was motivated from, but basically he and I have both recognized the need for a mentor or mentors in different walks of life as we continue to grow as adults. And that's what this podcast is all about, is finding people who have interesting stories, characteristics that we strive to have, um, and talking to them and getting more information each week. And as we do that, we can gain characteristics, Um, we can find role models, we can find people to strive towards. So this first one is simply just us doing an intro, but from the weeks moving forward, we'll be interviewing people who are elite athletes, come from different walks of life, have cool careers, or just have a cool story. So we thank you for tuning in. Uh, real quick, just a sidebar before we get started, there was some, you're probably going to hear some banshee screams in the background with this first episode for like the first 10-15 minutes or so. I apologize about that. My wife was trying to give my daughter a bath, and even though we went to a completely separate part of my house, um, unfortunately that sound still kind of got through. So uh, we'll make sure those audio uh, problems are fixed in the future, but... Don't miss out on some great content in this first episode, and moving forward, like I said, we'll be interviewing more and more people. Thanks for tuning in. This is The Mentor Podcast. like the third time. Here we are attempting the first episode of the Mentor Podcast. My name is John Roy. One thing I want to do before we get started is I want to preface this with we had a conversation the other day with our friend Jake Stacy, who is sitting right near me right now and we told him the name of the podcast and he was like wow that's pretentious (laughs) and I want to make it very clear that we are not proclaiming to be the mentors in this podcast. At all. No. The intention of this podcast is that we are going to interview people who can serve as mentors for you. With that being said, it would be unfair to the listener, I think to not at least know who the hosts are. So this first episode is just us doing an introdu- introductory podcast, introducing ourselves, asking a few questions And then from here on out, we'll start interviewing people. Okay, so I'm going to get started, introduce myself, then John will introduce himself. we got a few questions back and forth, and then hopefully we will attract some additional listeners. A little bit about me. My name is John, uh, one of two Johns. I grew up here in Colorado Springs. I uh, played a lot of sports growing up, football, wrestling. I didn't do wrestling for very long, but uh, very active growing up, and... This is the the conversation of having this podcast is actually born from a discussion that we had the other day and the idea is <clears throat> um, I personally, even though I had a dad who was in my life growing up, I didn't necessarily have a dad who fulfilled a lot of the things that a typical mentor would fulfill. so for instance, like my dad didn't teach me how to build things. he didn't teach me about mechanical aptitude, how to fix a car, that sort of thing so I kind of missed out on a lot of what. A typical father figure role model would be. And I know, John, like you've had similar, I guess, experiences yes, in your own yeah. life.
1: I will go into that too.
0: Yep. So we had this conversation of like, we, we should do a podcast because as adults, we've found mentors along the way in different walks of life that have valuable stories or valuable lessons that they could teach us. And that's basically the idea behind this entire podcast. I'm sure there's people out there who... Um, who feel the same way. So that's the idea here. Um, a little bit else about me. I'm avid in jujitsu. I've been doing it since 2015. Um, it's got
1: freakish chimpanzee strength.
0: mm, Yep. Totally. Um, not highly skilled, but strong. (laughs) Um, I have a firefighter as well. I've been a firefighter for almost nine years. One thing you'll also notice is as a disclaimer, we're not going to mention what department we work for because we are not affiliating ourselves with that department, but we will at least say that we're firefighters. Um, And even that alone has exposed me to a lot of different mentors along the way. So that's a little bit of my story. I do have a daughter and a wife and a cool dog named Moses. And John, go ahead and tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, Yeah,
1: my name is John Herrera. I have lived in Colorado Springs uh, 20 years now actually. Uh, my mom was Air Force and uh, retired here at the Air Force Academy. So um, as far as uh, who I am, what I've done, I'm a firefighter as well, local fire department. Uh, I'm a little bit newer to that than John is. I've been on about almost two years. Uh, I love it. Uh, and just as he said, um, one of the biggest reasons I did that was because I could... Uh, I knew that would be a great area to seek out mentorship and find good mentors. And then I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt under uh, Marcelo Moda. We'll talk more about him later. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of my mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like early childhood, and one of the reasons I wanted to be a part of this podcast, um, my dad was in my life, but he was uh, really sick, He had cancer. And so to the point where... There just wasn't a whole lot of personal mentorship, and I love him to death. And I mean, everything I've heard about him, phenomenal man. It just I, I came in at a stage of his life where he was hellaciously sick, um, and most of my experience with him was, uh, you know, in hospital rooms or um, at home, you know, watching my my mom, my older brother take care of him, and um, and then he passed away when I was seven, and so he mm-hmm. wasn't in my life for a whole long, like a, a very long time. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to have a, a great stepdad. He came into my life when I was about twelve. Um, but still, it's not the it, and he taught me a lot. Um, I guess my point is is that having an experience like that forces you to seek out mentorship. And mm. uh, I believe that if you want to truly be good at anything, and if you just want to be happy in life, you have to have mentors, you have to have guides, uh, people that can help you along the way. And that's, I mean, as far as you and I are talking right now, that's related to jiu-jitsu. That's related to firefighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have you know, people I consider just my, my mentors in life. Um, and we'll talk more about them later, but uh, I think it's, it's super important to have people that you trust to mentor you. Uh, and that's, that's a big part of it for me. I, I trust this individual. I see what they've done with their life. And I, I believe in them. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think a good uh, starting point would actually be your first question, just because it kind of sets the foundation for what we're talking about here. So if okay. you want to go ahead and ask that, I'll, I'll answer and then I'll kick it back to you. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, define what being a mentor <laughs> means to you. So I've been thinking about this in
0: anticipation of this podcast, but I know like for me, like when I was a teenager and then I transitioned into adulthood, I kind of, I, I always wanted a mentor who was like a catch all, mm-hmm. like somebody who could have all of the characteristics I'm looking for, all of the knowledge that I'm looking for, um, could guide me in all these different walks of life. And then as I've gotten older and I've sought out mentorship, I've realized that mentorship to me is a lot more car- compartmentalized. Yes. So for instance, like I have a primary mentor in the fire department and I have a primary mentor in jujitsu, right? And I've got uh, people who I think serve as mentors or examples in fatherhood or in marriage, but they're all compartmentalized. I don't really have one person that's like a complete package, which makes sense, right? We don't, we're not perfect people. I don't think that exists, honestly. Right, right. So for me, mentorship is being somebody who can essentially be a role model in a particular facet of life and it could be something it could be a hobby it could be a profession or it could be how you actually live your life as a person but ideally we would try to find people or we would try to gravitate towards people who could kind of fulfill each sector of our life that's important to us so if i say to myself you know i want to be good at my job but i also want to be a good dad and i want to be good at jujitsu well i need to basically find three different mentors for that certainly right so Mentorship to me is a lot more focused than I think a lot of people lead on. It's not a one-size-fits-all role model That's going to be able to fulfill all those things for you.
1: No, I completely agree Completely agree. So what is a mentor to you? Um, Mentorship to me has everything to do with trust Uh, just like you said um, You're you're gonna need to seek out in my opinion different mentors for every different area of your life if I wanted to get good at fly fishing I'm probably gonna need a fly fishing mentor because uh, I know nothing about it at all. Me neither. Um, but with jujitsu, like I have, I have quite a few jujitsu mentors, and that that environment's unique because that's a difficult thing that takes a special person to continue to do. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, mentors are going to be born out of that environment. Um, but coming back to what that means to what mentorship means to me is. First of all, the individual needs to be competent in the skill or the area that I'm trying to become competent in. Um, and
0: maybe not even competent, but like ideally above average, right? Yeah, or like yes. really good, you know? Yeah,
1: hopefully. Right. And, and enthusiastic. Like they want to be there, mm-hmm. they want to be teaching. Because I know a lot of phenomenal jiu jitsu practitioners, phenomenal firefighters that have no interest in teaching me how to be a shooting practitioner or a firefighter. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have to want to be there. They have to be above average, certainly. Um, Something for me personally is I I really, I I need to believe that they're a good person. Mm -hmm. Um, Regardless of what I'm trying to learn from them, uh, it's difficult for me if I think their moral compass is off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I have to develop my own trust in that individual and uh, that's going to going to create that bond and that that uh mentor relationship so totally agree yeah
0: <clears throat> so you mentioned jujitsu a couple times and yeah. i think like i'm assuming here but i bet a lot of your mentors come from jujitsu absolutely and i obviously haven't done jujitsu nearly as long as you but i know how much of an impact it's made on my life yeah so i wanted to throw this out there what impact has jujitsu had on your life
1: um Wow, jiu-jitsu for me has been everything. I mean, I prior to martial arts, um, like I said, I had an interesting childhood. I wasn't involved in a whole lot of sports. I had played soccer. Uh, I did marching band, which mm. I actually really liked. That's uh, a martial I, art. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I tell you what, man, uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And we were super good too. So that's, that cool. Winning, that's cool. Winning helps. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, my uh, my stepdad got me into jujitsu, and I just never looked back. Man, I, I mean, like I said before, um, I think it's something difficult, and to continue to do it over years and years uh, requires persistence and just a special type of person you don't encounter very often. And so naturally, for me, that's bred a lot of mentors. Mm. And so jiu-jitsu for me, the biggest thing has been the community and the, not to say this word too many times, but the mentorship that I've been surrounded with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've met so many people that have lifted me up, not only through jiu-jitsu, but in the rest of my life, and been there for me, and just... Genuinely, friends I'll have mm. for my entire life. I mean, I've, I mean, think about how long I've known you. Yeah. Since I was eighteen, that's ten years. Tw- yeah. Yeah.
0: Twenty ten. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I guess it'd be even longer now. Yeah, absolutely. Because we met in twenty ten. You right? know, think
1: about like uh, Mo, <coughs> Marcelo. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been training with him for almost a decade. Romico, almost a decade. Yeah. Um. So, lasting friendships, community, mentorship, and then that's that's just naming the the non tangible things yeah. really.
0: What about you? I don't think jujitsu meant as much to me until I got on the fire department. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I got my first taste of jujitsu actually when I was like 15 or 16 years old. It's funny that you talk about your stepdad bringing you to jujitsu because when I was like 15 or 16, do you remember there was a gym in town called Joint Forces? And they were like in the basement of a, it was like a karate school. Um, I, I slightly remember. That. Yeah. <laughs> so, there were a lot of kind of shady spots yeah, in town. Yeah. Totally shady, dude. Yeah. It was like puzzle mats in the, in this like <laughs> dank basement. Mats and, to uh, get injuries. Yeah. Well, my dad was like a huge UFC fan. So we used to watch it on the weekends. And my dad was like, All right. I told my dad one day, I'm like, I want to do MMA.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: I want to be a fighter. Yeah. So, at the time, like the training opportunities in Colorado Springs were like sparse. Yeah. (laughs) And the people who were like running gyms didn't know anything in (laughs) retrospect. You're like, Oh my gosh, these guys didn't Uh, know anything. Um, my dad took me to this MMA class and he didn't tell me till later, but like his anticipation was just that I was going to get my ass kicked dude because (laughs) I was 15 years old and it was just all adults. And like the people in the class were like less than savory. Yeah. So I had watched enough UFC that I knew like, (laughs) Like three moves, dude, and one of the moves that I knew was the rear naked choke. And he just fucking housed house. Well, all dude, people. I went up against this one guy who's like, "Oh, I'm going to be in the UFC someday." It was like this tall, lanky guy, and I'm like, "He's never going to be in the UFC." <laughs> I could look at him and be like, "He's never going to be in the UFC." He was tall enough that, like, just walking around, he'd probably get a pneumo. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I I went against him in a grappling match, and somehow magically, I got on his back. And I put him in a rear naked choke, and it, like in retrospect, it's probably the most sloppy rear naked choke you could ever do. Yeah, but I submitted. But that was him, your dude. shining moment. That, of that was day, my man. shining moment yeah. of, as being a teenager. And then we did stand up, and I got my ass kicked, dude. But the ground, yeah, like kind of made yeah. sense you to me. You learned the
1: rear naked choke; you're good to go.
0: Right. Fast forward, like jitsu didn't really mean a ton to me until I got on the fire department, okay. and I'll tell you why. I think first of all, when I got back into it. Cause I, I met you back when I was training at team underground. Yeah. And again, I really wasn't like super attached to the idea of doing MMA or Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. <clears throat> when I got older, first of all, I think I appreciated the tradition more. Okay. Right. Because prime is pretty structured and, and has tradition. I appreciated Absolutely. the tradition more. Um, but more than anything, it was an outlet for me. So, being in the fire service, seeing some of the things that we see, um, having to deal with some of the stressful calls that we deal with. A lot of people turn to alcohol. They turn to pills. They turn to things that are unhealthy. Certainly. For me, jujitsu just became like, if I need to blow off steam, that's where I do it, right? If I need an outlet, that's where I do it. So it became an addiction in and of itself, but I call it a healthy addiction. And that's an understanding that like Becca has is, I'm, she, she allows me all that time to go do jujitsu because she knows it's healthier for me than because drinking, John's wife. that's right. That's my <laughs> wife. Than drinking alcohol or taking pills, right? Yeah. Like a lot of the things that people fall into. Yeah. So that aspect, the physical aspect of it, of just getting a good workout, the challenge of always learning something new. And then, like you said, the community that's involved and finding good mentors. Yeah. You know?
1: I mean, the community and the and the opportunity for mentorship is just, I think it's unmatched, honestly. Totally. So. Totally. All right. It's your turn. I know. Hold on. Me I you actually your have phone. your question here. Oh, good, dude, because my phone died. So. <laughs> um, this is a big one. What are characteristics you seek out in your own mentors? We talked a little bit about this. Right. But. Look a little more in depth.
0: So, the first one for me would be competency. Okay. But what I will say with that, as a caveat, is I've had mentors in life who maybe weren't the best at something, but they were good at connecting with me and good at helping me to learn something. Well,
1: they could be good teachers and not necessarily have the most up to date information. Right.
0: right. Or even be like the most highly skilled.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, I mean, there's a reason that a lot of guys who are. The best grapplers in the world aren't necessarily teachers. Yeah. Right? They might have a particular skill set, but they're not. They're not maybe not the best mentors, the best teachers. So competency is a big thing. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of, it takes a while for me to warm up to somebody. Like, I kind of have a wall up a little bit initially. Yeah. So first of all, would be establishing a true relationship with somebody. Like, you're not going to mentor me if I don't actually feel like I know you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that has to be organic too. I have to have an organic relationship with you. You have to be competent. And I think more than anything, a good mentor truly wants the success of somebody. And I'll give you a good example. Like uh, Marcel is a good example because Mm -hmm. Marcel is the type of guy that if you were to exceed him in a certain area, he wouldn't be upset by that. He'd be proud of that oh absolutely you know what i mean absolutely like that he would be proud that his student is grasping something at a certain level
1: i mean with him and i there's areas where he's much better than i am right and there's areas and vice where, versa right exactly but if there's an area where i have a, a little bit of an edge on him he comes and asks me questions about it right and he tries to get better at it yeah and that's, so a that's level, actually rare i think i agree
0: so. so a level of investment and i guess humility as well yeah Yep.
1: Yeah. what about you Um, I agree with you I hadn't thought about this prior but I agree with you that I I really feel like I have to have a relationship with somebody and I feel like that comes back to me uh, believing this person has a good moral compass Mm -hmm. Um, and that's huge for me uh, to develop trust in an individual Uh, and I'll bring up uh, Rumiko Mm -hmm. Um, Rumiko Blackman he is absolutely a phenomenal wrestler if you guys want to know more about him you can just Google him. I'm not going to go super in depth with that right now. But uh, he's been a major mentor in my life for the last decade. Um, not only on the mats, but just in life in general. I mean, he's he's dialed in on what his moral beliefs are. And they align with mine. And so that's been easy to find him as a mentor. Um, and then, obviously, extremely skilled wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so not necessarily in jiu-jitsu, but uh, as you know, you have to wrestle or you have to do judo if you want your jiu-jitsu to really be applicable in, in most scenarios. I chose wrestling, and I was lucky enough to just have this angel of a wrestling coach, Rameko, appear in my life. Um, and competent in that field. More than competent. More than competent. Yeah. Phenomenal teacher. Wants to teach phenomenal moral compass. And it just was this, it's been this natural mentorship for me I still call him coach I know for 10 years
0: which you is know? awesome and I, that shows I just, how much you respect him
1: I love that guy yeah. and so if you want to ask me about, about characteristics of a good mentor I just need to introduce you to Miko honestly and you're just
0: lucky thing. that you have somebody who's like a one size fits all you yeah. know somebody who yeah. can who can be all those things absolutely you know?
1: I mean I can come to him with life questions jujitsu questions wrestling questions and it's funny because I'm his jiu-jitsu coach right and he's my wrestling coach yeah you know, but that it's, is a it's cool, been this, that's a cool dynamic. yeah, it's been this nice uh, dynamic for, mm-hmm. for years now. So, mm-hmm. but yeah that's my it's my answer. Nice.
0: Okay. make sure this doesn't fall asleep on me here. Let's see here. What made you want to become a firefighter?
1: Oh this com- this brings me back to another mentor of mine that I'm very lucky to have in my life. Uh, Adam Wheeler. Mm-hmm. So he made a transition. I'm slightly familiar. Uh, yeah, slightly. yeah, With his abuse, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Very with much his, so. With his...
0: I have a funny story about him after you're okay. done, actually. Right. Sounds
1: good. Sounds good. Uh, beast of a man, Olympian, former SWAT police officer. He made a transition um, after some different police-related scenarios to the fire department. Uh, and he had been... A mentor in my life in jiu jitsu, a mentor in my life in wrestling, uh, and, and also in life. I mean, he's just an all around phenomenal guy. Um, but he made that transition, and then, I mean, he know, he probably spent two years convincing me, like almost every time he saw me, hey man, you should start testing. Mm. You should get involved. And this is the schedule is amazing. It's fulfilling work. The lifestyle is amazing. You'll still be able to do just as much jiu jitsu as you want to. And, uh, you know, I tell my family about it. I tell my girlfriend at the time about it, and they'd be like, "No, it's just it's too dangerous. It's too, you know, what everyone thinks." Which it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's um, not. Yeah, I'm probably at more risk of dying like on the jiu-jitsu mats, but especially with guys like but Jake, Jake Stacy coming. Oh, up. Oh yeah, me. Jake Stacy, yeah.
0: dude, he'll kill kind anybody. Break my neck. He'll kill anyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, Adam convinced me to uh, to do it, and a lot of a lot of the. Appeal to me initially was the lifestyle. Like, okay, I'm gonna go work this amount of time, and I will then have enough time off where I can make a training schedule and still enjoy this martial arts aspect of my life. And then, you know, I go to EMT school, uh, loved it, never thought I would love it, loved it, have a genuine excitement to become a paramedic next year, go to Fire Academy. Fall in love with every aspect of firefighting. I absolutely loved all of the guys I was in the academy with. And I wouldn't say I truly fell in love with the idea of firefighting until about halfway through academy. Really? Yeah. And I just, I loved the guys I was with. I loved the uh, family, the brotherhood that was in my academy. The familyhood. And the familyhood, <laughs> yes. And... uh it, it just absolutely drew me in. I was so nervous to go to Academy because I wasn't sure if it was for me. But now, being where I am now, I'm like, okay, I, I made the right decision. This is yeah. this is perfect. That's cool. So, That's yeah. cool. What about you? What made you want to be a firefighter?
0: <clears throat> so, I actually wanted to be a police officer my whole life. And... yeah, I know, okay. right? Well, I think it's just because my dad was a police officer. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah. I can, I'll talk about this, I'm sure some other time, but like my perception of my dad as a kid was so much more different than it was as an adult. And I mean, in a favorable way, okay. like, I just didn't really know a lot about my dad until I became an adult. So as a teenager, I, would, I couldn't see any of his faults. All I would see was my perception of who he was.
1: Okay. And at the time, what, just not here was it a scenario where you were seeing what he wanted you to see?
0: Uh, yes, yes, and no. Okay. My parents went through a really ugly divorce, and okay. then like, ten years later, when I was an adult, my mom tried to get money that was owed her through child support. Any event, he kind of drugged me into the court proceedings, which really left a, a bad taste in my mouth. Okay. Yeah. But in any event, when I was a teenager, I was like, I want to be a police officer, and at the time, like, the perception of police officers is much different than it was even today, and even that wasn't even that long ago. No. You know. Back then, I still think that like the 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 vast majority of people viewed it as an honorable profession. The media really wasn't outspoken about it, so like, I was like, "That's what I want to do." Yeah. So, um, I had that perception my whole entire life, and actually, that's where I met Adam the first time. I was like, f- like sixteen, wrestling in high school, and my dad was Adam's boss.
1: And the Sasquatch walked in. That's right, blonde Sasquatch. We, we went to a barbecue.
0: And my dad was like, "Hey, I want to introduce you to one of my, one of the people I supervise." I don't think he said it like that. He probably just said one of my new guys or whatever. And it was Adam Wheeler. And he's like, "This guy's an Olympic wrestler. Maybe he can give you some tips on whatever." I didn't know. I didn't know anything about wrestling. So basically, he just said, "Hey, keep it up. You know, you're, you're going to do great." He's Super nice guy. Anyway. Yeah. Didn't give me like a ton of tips because I was trash. Well,
1: you know, he was a terrible wrestler in high school. So was I. Yeah. I mean, you could have been an Olympian.
0: Yeah. (laughs) In any event, I didn't want to be an Olympian. I wanted to be a police officer. So (laughs) otherwise I totally would have. Um, Fast forward when I was like 18, I did a ride along with my dad a couple times with the police department. And I was like, this is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Chasing down perps you know, getting in the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, my uncle, his brother was also, he was in the fire department locally and I was like, well, you know what? I'll go see what they're all about. So I did a ride along with them and uh, I was down downtown and uh, we had a a pretty good shift. I was, I was able to ride along the entire time, the 24 hours. So I got to see what it was really like after midnight too. Cause I think that's something that people don't really have a true perspective of unless they've done a 24 hour ride along and I was like, this is pretty sweet. But I knew it was competitive. So I was like, I don't I wanna serve my community in some capacity. I can't see myself doing anything other than public service. My first choice would be to be a firefighter, my second choice would be to be a police officer. I'm gonna to apply to both. I applied to both. When I applied an EMT requirement wasn't a requirement. Okay. So there was like two thousand applicants. And I remember this guy came up to me at the water cooler before the test started and he was from like South Carolina. And he was like are you military i was like no he's like are you local i was like yeah he's like do you have any fire service experience and i said yeah he's like uh there's no chance you get hired (laughs) i'm like okay so i believed him i'm like there's no way i'm getting hired so i took this test i remember i called my uncle afterwards i'm like i totally bombed the fire team test i'm not getting hired yeah i'll take the pd test i took the pd test fast forward out of like 2,000 applicants they narrowed it down to like 175 and i was an a band but i was still like kind of skeptical so fast forward, I make it through that whole process, and I got into the fire academy, and like three weeks into the fire academy, the police department offered me a job, and I was like, oh, I made the right choice. And oh, in yeah. retrospect, oh, it was yeah. such a good choice. Like nine years into the fire service, I'm so glad I made the choice that I did. Um, you, you know You
1: know too? What? What's up? Chick-stick firefighters. Yeah. You made the right decision.
0: Well, that's actually a good point, because <laughs> Becca knew me before I was a firefighter, so a I know sign. she truly yeah. loves me, dude. Absolutely. It's not my Absolutely. profession. <laughs> Anyway, that was a long story of why I decided to be a
1: firefighter. No, that was great, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had a similar thing happen in the academy, but I had I had two different departments offer me. Den- yeah, right. Yeah. Two different. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: I was going to say the name and I just refrained.
1: Yeah, you refrained. I refrained. Okay.
0: I you actually kind of stole my third question. Did I, well, I, did I? Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to uh I'm going to make one up on the fly.
1: Okay. All right.
0: On a day-to-day basis, what guides your moral compass? Like, how do you make decisions on a day-to-day basis? And in your head, you say this is a good decision. This is a bad decision.
1: Oh man, I'm not. First, I'm not going to say I always make good decisions. I don't think everyone always makes good decisions. Um, and I'm I'm not a religious individual, and so I can't. I understand a lot of people use that to guide their moral compass which is phenomenal if that's what you're into um i just i really truly believe that we know what is right and what is wrong and usually more often than not the more difficult choice is the right thing to do and uh i i know that's a
0: a you mean like going against your natural temptation
1: as far as what, what like
0: I mean I guess do. like what you're saying is that the difficult choice is the right decision does that mean that you're inclined to make the easy choice yes okay
1: yes I like. let's say you're just to keep it simple you're an alcoholic right you know man I should not drink today mm. you know that but you have an addiction and so it's a difficult choice to not drink that day true like I'm addicted to choking you you are. <laughs> I'm addicted to receiving that. <laughs> um, but it's actually an easy choice to choke you. It's not always right. easy to choke you. Right. Because you're a thick, strong neck. Sure. I've got a thick neck. But I would like to do that. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But you're my friend. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe I shouldn't always do it. Yeah. And it's, it has to be in the right scenario. Right. You know, like on the mat, mm-hmm. not in your basement.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think for me... Um, i'm very like I'm very linear so i do I do agree with you I think like society is well I don't think morality is something that's as natural as maybe you're describing because for me I do kind of have like a rule of law like okay in society we know this to not be okay yes right <clears throat> so that's kind of my guiding pr- principles like in society we know it's not okay like here's a great example I've heard this before the shopping cart example. Have you heard this before? I have not heard. that. Okay. So the argument is that a moral person is the person who puts the shopping cart back into the shopping cart area. Oh,
1: I think, yeah, I'm I'm right.
0: And vaguely familiar. Right. And an immoral person is someone who just leaves it wherever. And the argument is that there's no punishment for, for putting it, for not putting it back in the the area where the carts are staged yeah. because like the, the cops aren't going to come out and write you a ticket or a citation or put you in jail for not putting the cart back. And more than likely, unless the target employee sees you, they're not going to do anything either. Right. Yeah. You could do the immoral thing and not put it back. But I think we know as a society that there are certain things that we should do correctly. So when I'm about to make a big moral decision, I try to set myself up for success and I try to make the right decision. I also preemptively try to prepare myself to make the right decision. And Here's a, here's the biggest example I could think of. We all have carnal desires, right? I would be lying if I said I didn't see an attractive female and I think, wow, that person is attractive Yeah. as a society. We know that infidelity is wrong, yes. right? So for me being a married man, if I go into like a bar or I go into a restaurant and there's like a, an attractive waitress, I'm all business. Okay. Flirting's off the table. Absolutely. So morality to me is what's set by society, but it's also things that I do on the front end to prepare myself to make a good decision. Gluttony would be another good example. If I don't want to eat a ton, I just don't have it in my house. Yeah. Right? So, So you're setting yourself up
1: for success by preparing to not make bad decisions. Right. Yeah.
0: Where I think it's tricky, though, is our society's morality may not coincide with other societies and so that's trouble instance, too
1: because you know you have multiple societies within a society true i think about the different political parties yeah it's
0: a very it's a changing world nowadays you know, so i guess true. ultimately what i try to do is first of all set myself up for success but second of all is i know deep down what my moral compass is and what my guiding principles are Yeah. the only time where religion comes in for me because i would say i am religious like i do believe in god okay. is when i make a mistake like after I've made the mistake, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> really? You're like, Please, yeah. God, I'm like, Oh God, why this. did I do that? Yeah. But leading up to that, it's all based on like, what does society tell me is a moral thing to do?
1: So do you think that we don't have a natural moral compass outside of society's dictation of what morality is?
0: I think we do just purely because we have consciousness in comparison to other animals.
1: Like, do you think we naturally know it's not okay? Like let's say Society didn't exist. You and I were cavemen. I know it's wrong to kill you and take all your stuff. I don't think
0: so because like kids are a great example. You know, I have a three-year-old daughter and if she lied to me, she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't know she's lying.
1: You don't think so? No.
0: Oh, if she knew she was lying, it was only because I told her she was. Or like if she like, she like slaps me in the face, like she doesn't know (laughs) that's wrong unless I tell her like that's wrong, you know? So like as humans... Again, You're going back to the right car- yeah, going yeah. back to the carnal, the carnal piece is we're animals. We have like a innate tendency to do what the chemicals inside of our body are telling us to do in that moment. And I think that's where morality comes in, is because like you said, sometimes the hard decision is the moral decision. Because a lot of the times we make a moral decision, we're going against morality, okay. or excuse me, we are in line with morality, but we're going against our carnal desire. Right? Yes.
1: So, I don't know. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's complicated.
0: Like, I think deep down, like, the biological reason or biological makeup of us is like, oh, we want to procreate, for instance. Yeah. So, deep down, we're like, we want to procreate, but uh, we live in a society that that advocates for monogamy. So, as somebody who's moral, I set myself up for success to be monogamous, right? Because I know that's what is valued at least for me. I want to have a successful marriage. I want to be married a long time. I value monogamy more than I marry or, uh, I value it more than I value procreation. Yeah, certainly. But that's not always true for most people. No. You know what I I mean? I totally, I mean, society guides what morality is and we just try to kind of fall in line with that morality.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I think you have one more here. This will be our last one and then we'll wrap up here. Yeah. I think I remember it. Do you? Yeah. Do you need me to pull it up for you? No, I got it. Um, Who are some of the people that mentor you in your own life? Okay.
0: Again, this is a multifaceted thing because I talked about like there's different parts of my life where there's different mentors. So I'll start with jujitsu because that's the easy one because I love it so much. You. Thank you. And... You as a mentor is an interesting, interesting one, because I feel like, first of all, I think maybe the reason it's so easy to have you as a mentor is because I acknowledge how well you talk about competency in terms of competency in my immediate sphere. You're like probably the most competent person that I get to roll with regularly, I guess, in terms of a lot of areas. Like, I think there's, I'm sure there's some areas that you're not super competent at and you would admit to that, but like,
1: absolutely. I'm not.
0: You regularly kick my ass. So I appreciate that. I appreciate Competency that. Competency is a big yeah. por- uh, portion. But I think also because you and I are so close in age, yeah, it's really easy for me to connect with you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, It's like almost like a peer mentorship thing where, yes, you are way more knowledgeable and way more competent than me in jujitsu, jitsu But because we're the same age, we can have this different sort of relationship. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Um, Marcelo, obviously. You know, but I don't view him I don't view him as having a pure more of a pure mentorship relationship. I truly view him as a traditional mentor. Like I mean,
1: he's so old.
0: He is ancient. <laughs> <laughs> I view him as a traditional mentor. Yeah. Absolutely. He is older than me. We don't have probably that friendship as much, which is okay. We have we truly have that coach or professor, if you want to call it that student relationship, right? Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, competency, again, he's very competent. Yes. In the fire service, have you ever heard the name Ryan
1: Royal? Isn't that associated with, uh, well, I won't won't say it, but. You can. It's a company. Irons and Ladders. Irons and Ladders, yeah.
0: So when I was new in the fire service on probation, Ryan Royal was my mentor. And,
1: man. That's awesome.
0: I just, I've never met a person. I mean, I watch those videos probably once a week. Yeah. yeah, I mean he. I've never met a person who is, was as competent was who could just back it up. You know, like it's one thing to be to know the information, but he could just. We would do these endurance drills where we would do multiple skills on a, a you know, on an SCBA, and you try to see how long your bottle would last. And he's not a very like intimidating looking person. He's actually kind of got like a dad bod, <laughs> but he would freaking whoop my ass in these endurance drills. And when I would ask him a question on the fire service, there was nothing that he didn't know. When I would ask him technical information, he knew it all. And above all, he could teach me just basic lessons on life. Like he was probably one of the first people in my life that taught me how to use power tools correctly or taught me how to like build stuff correctly. Like it it wasn't just learning a lesson about the fire service. I was learning lessons about like life, life. Like here's how you fricking use a saw correctly. Here's how you measure things correctly. Like just the most basic things you thought you'd think your dad would teach you. He taught those things to me. Yeah. And the more that he got to know me, he took a genuine interest in me and we've developed a very close friendship over the years, but I can't help but feel like he's still this superior mentor to me. You know, I've paved my own career. I have nine years on the job now, but I can't help but look at him as somebody that I'm always going to strive to be like in the fire service.
1: Well, I think that's so healthy to have those individuals around you. Yeah. So, and he probably like,
0: if he listens to this, he probably have never said those words to him because you know, yeah, I'm, I'm super manly. Yeah, exactly. I'm super manly. Don't
1: have any emotions? Yeah, so.
0: of course. I'm I'm, I'm devoid <laughs> of emotions. Um, and then um, in my personal life, like people who I've looked to for lessons on how to be like a good dad, um, a good father. Actually, probably the person in recent history that's been a, a big influence on me is Noble.
1: Okay. Yeah, Noble's a great guy. He's dude. He's such a good guy. Yeah. He's, he's a he's a, a, a good uh, dad. He's a good husband. His positive attitude and enthusiasm. is just like. Unreal. It's infectious. Yeah,
0: and I, I think I a lot of people don't. better when he's there. And most people wouldn't know this, but he is a West Point graduate. He was in the what? he was in the infantry. Seriously? Yep. Army airborne. Noble. Yep. Wow. Noble. Noble. Good so to him, man, that's awesome. Just like a badass dude who has post career learned how to just be very in touch with humble. He's humble. Yeah. He's got an infectious attitude. He's in touch with his emotions. You know, like he's the first person to talk to me about how in the fire service, I've just kind of stuffed and avoided a lot of things, you know, like something bad happens and it's not, it's, it's more like kind of like beat your chest. Like I'm a tough guy, you know what I mean? And he's been the first person who's kind of like said to me, like, do you ever think that maybe you're, you're kind of keeping this all in and eventually it's going to blow up in your face? Cause that's exactly what happened to me in the army. Yeah. So he's, he's been a huge influence for me on a personal level. That's
1: that's wonderful, man. Yep. Yeah. What about you? Oh man, I, different facets. Um, so job, jujitsu, yeah, personal. Absolutely. I'm really lucky. Uh I um have a have a plethora of mentors in my life. Um uh, in every area I've been surrounded by wonderful, wonderful people and that's been absolutely huge for my growth and I feel very humble to know these people and and very fortunate. Um I'll come back to Ramiko really quick. Um and I think a lot of people have had these like uh you know instructor student mentorship relationships in their life and Mm -hmm. they can they can understand this. I've been fortunate enough to know Ramiko for almost a decade and be training regularly with Ramiko for almost a decade. Um and He's just so dialed on his beliefs, and he, he and I have different beliefs. He's a very religious. He's very strong in his religion. I am not, but I absolutely respect where he is with that, and he he is...
0: And I'm sure he respects you, right? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. He, he has never once you know, given me any flack for having a difference of opinion there, mm-hmm. um, which I think has been huge for our relationship to grow. Um, and then, you know, we talked about competency. He is an absolutely phenomenal wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, freakishly strong.
0: For people who don't know, I mean, he was a resident at the Olympic Training Center for like, what, a decade? I think
1: it was like 12 or 13 years. Yeah. Um, I could list his accomplishments right now, but again, just Google Romyko Blackman and he'll probably learn a few wrestlers. Yeah. Probably learn the single leg. The sure. Way to do it. Um, but phenomenally human, phenomenal wrestler. But I think what was huge for he and I was, he's also a phenomenal student mm. and he didn't brush me off when I had something to show him in jujitsu and it developed in this beautiful relationship of, okay, I'm going to teach him how to do a Kimura, which I apologize for teaching that man how to do a Kimura. To Cause everybody. now that's yeah, his thing. He just rips arms off. Um, but he's phenomenal at it. And then he would teach me how to do a single leg, you know? And it was just this beautiful, intuitive learning environment that, that he and I have created and continue to create I train at that guy's house twice a week still.
0: That's so cool to have that level of humility where like you would think he's like oh I'm such a high level wrestler yeah. that I wouldn't have to learn those things Absolutely. but the fact that he's willing to like take a step back and like I'll, I'll learn that just says a lot about his character. Oh, he's,
1: he's phenomenal. Um, and just because I have to bring up Marcelo uh, a lot of people don't know that I talked to, I, I mean, I I uh, I quit jujitsu, and when I was like eighteen or nineteen, I I was training at a place I didn't really care for. I was Your training blue under, belt? Yeah, yeah. I was training under a person I didn't I didn't match up with um, morally, and my couple of friends, Donald and Abraham and Jason, told me about Marcelo and this little Brazilian guy that was gonna kick my ass. And, and did he? I was like, "Oh, dude, he fucked me up." As a blue belt, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. first time I rolled with him, he destroyed me. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." He did I, for me too, by yeah, the way. Absolutely, and I'm like, "All right, I'm back. I'm in." Um, and now I've been training with this guy for almost a decade. Yeah, I'm one. I'm I'm a black belt under him, and uh, he knows every major problem I have in my life. He's easy to talk to, mm-hmm. and he can be he can be a little a little reserved at first. But once you get to know him, I mean, he and I have a phenomenal relationship. Yeah. I know you said just one in jiu-jitsu, but, I mean, Ramiko and Marcelo. Well, and I guess yeah. it's not
0: limited to one. Because I, yeah. I listed you and
1: Marcelo. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. Are my two major mentors in jiu-jitsu. And I, I have so many more I can just list off right now related to jiu-jitsu. Sure. Um, and I will, as this podcast goes on, I'll, right. I'll mention more people and give them a little confidence boost. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, and as far as uh life, um I'm not sure if do you, you you know Billy, right? Yeah, of course. Oh yeah, okay. Uh Billy Jacob. He's awesome. He is He's infectious. He his positivity is unreal.
0: I wish I could be like that. Yeah. I'm so i I'm so jealous of people that are like him because I he can just light up a room and I'm I've never been he that He
1: walks in with the biggest smile mm-hmm. I've ever seen and immediately like you said the room is just lit people are happy mm. people want to be there um, I, think, I think the biggest thing that attracts me to him is his consistent true positivity mm. he, he actually believes that I mean I'll call him and, and I talk to him about everything in life and one of the things he tells me is John you have to believe that you are great at everything you're going to try to do he said, you have to say, I am a great firefighter. I am a great black belt.
0: Words I, of affirmation. I
1: am a great uncle. I am a great son. Huh. Exactly. Words of affirmation. And and he'll text me that in the middle of the day. I, I'll, I won't have talked to him for two weeks. And he'll text me. He said, you, you are phenomenal. You are. Exactly. I'm telling you, <laughs> That's man. Cool. He's just, That's cool. That's cool. He just blows people yeah. up. And I'm like one of 15 people he does this with. That's kind of like
0: saying. Noble. Noble's exactly. the same way.
1: Yep. Um, so he's wonderful. He's wonderful.
0: i will love to have him on.
1: It, yeah, I, I, I want to have him on. Yeah. As far as the fire service, um, it's similar to jiu-jitsu when, when it comes to it's something difficult that takes a special person to do for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I have been very lucky to work with phenomenal people and I'm still very new, I'm under two years, that are willing to teach me, willing to accept who I am, not try to mold me to this very common like fire idea. Um, But the person that comes to mind, and I haven't actually worked at his station for a while. He's an officer at my department. Um, I won't give his last name, His, uh, his first name's Pat. Um, and he's just a, a great example of somebody he's he's dialed. He um, is is positive, wants to be there, wants to teach, takes time to teach down to the smallest skill. Like I, I was bad at hand IVs. Mm. You know, I could hit him everywhere else, but I was I just kept missing IVs on the hand, and sometimes that's the only spot he got. Right, and he literally takes me into the kitchen. And he's like, all right, here's my hand. Now, he's a behemoth, and he has a hand vein right in the size yeah. of my pinky. But still, for him, to, for him to do that, and let me practice on him, and let me work through that, that was huge for me. And he's someone I can always go to in my department. And well, i don't go a long time without talking to him. But someone I can always go to and ask questions, and supports my career, supports me wanting to you know, do things like join the tech team, and get to our tech station, and things like that. Mm. And, He's been he's been a big influence for me. He's something someone I want to be like. So, hmm yeah.
0: And then, would you say on a personal level, Ramiko is that for you?
1: Oh yes, but yeah. I'd also say Billy.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. got you. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
1: So I for yeah, Billy,
0: <clears throat>
1: Marcelo, and Pat.
0: I have one other question for you before we wrap up here. Okay. Yeah. This is just kind of impromptu. Um, what did it? F- I was there, so. I can kind of like I can kind of guess how you were feeling, but what did it feel like when you became a black belt?
1: Oh man. Because
0: um, I remember you being emotional. I cried. Which I ima I mean I I, yeah. I imagine that if I ever get to that point, I would feel the same I way. I cried.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll for anyone interested, I'll share my black belt speech again at some point. But yeah, I have a video of it. But um, it was huge for me, um, and I know that some people will go through their jiu journey and i was happy as a brown belt don't get me wrong yeah and i was happy as a purple belt and i loved training and i loved being there and i really genuinely just want to get better i mean you see me today i train literally 99 yeah and yeah i almost never wear yeah, a black
0: belt totally
1: so i saw uh, you
0: wear it for like the first time since you got promoted the other day
1: yeah like and i got promoted like two and a half years yeah, ago right yeah um it was huge for me i know some people will say like, oh, it doesn't mean anything, this and that. But for me, personally, I and mean, you can believe whatever you want, it, it was a big accomplishment in my life. Um, I had put so much work towards it. And I, and I had so many people along the way that believed in me that it, it didn't feel like I was just individually getting it. It was, okay, all these people that helped me along the way, like, this is for all of them, too, mm. you know? That's cool. Um and I, I, I mean, you were there. I cried. Oh yeah.
0: Baby. Dude, I yeah. probably will too. Yeah. If I ever get to that point. You're going to sure. get there. I'm
1: like, yeah, yeah you're going to get there. And, uh, yeah, I, it's, it was intimidating and euphoric all in the same moment.
0: And did you feel like you had that? Like, cause I know for me, <clears throat> even getting promoted to purple belt, I kind of had this like imposter syndrome. Oh, yes. Where like, You never feel ready. Yeah. Like, afterwards, I was like, I'm
1: not actually a purple belt. Yeah. You know what I mean? You never feel ready. And it's the funniest thing. Did you feel general. that way at purple, brown, and black? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You never feel yeah. ready. You yeah. never feel ready. And uh, Marce- it was always Marcelo telling me I was getting it from yeah. and just yeah. being like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it, it, it does, in the jiu-jitsu world, I mean, it comes with a target on your back. Oh, totally. Which is, which is wonderful. And uh, intimidating at the same time.
0: Yeah, because I feel that target even at purple belt. Yeah, I can't imagine what it feel like as black belt. But like you know, as a, as a purple belt, it's like blue belts want to kick your ass. Yeah. Well, and
1: especially in this town now, we're surrounded by a lot of talented guys. Totally. And as a black belt, I I want to be competent. I want to be able to offer something. Mm. I want to be technical enough in certain areas to have someone say, Hey, you should question about that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. uh, but yeah, it's intimidating, but yeah. I, uh, you've I'm more than lived either. up to it though. Oh, thanks dude. Yeah. I appreciate
0: it. That's cool. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I think that's a good stopping point for us. I agree. Like I said, this is the introductory podcast, just to get a little bit more uh, information
1: about us, and Hopefully then we can have some more like actually qualified people in here.
0: Oh, we're going to have so myself. many more qualified people. <laughs> so, just so the listener is aware, the goal now is we are now going to start reaching out to other people that will be interviewed for the podcast. I think we've probably already mentioned a couple of people in this podcast that we intend to to interview. Yeah. Um, I don't know the frequency per se of what we're going to do that, but I think that we're going to get some really high quality people in here. I mean, just naturally through our kind of the our walks of life and being exposed to certain kind of people we're going to be able to get high caliber athletes you know people who have had really interesting careers people who have just cool stories in general so thank you very much for tuning in thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast and we hope that you'll join us again in the future as we interview a ton of other really cool people
1: thanks everybody